Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. March, Mark 13, verse 24. But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now, learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows about the day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You don't know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you don't know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening, or at midnight, or when the cock crows, or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Tony, thank you very much indeed. Well, do uh, keep your Bibles open, if you will, as we continue to look through Mark 13 and 14 uh, last week and in the next couple of weeks as well. Um, I, like many people I know, have a sort of love-hate relationship with my diary. I love my diary because it helps me so much. I can't hold uh, everything in my head. I can't hold in my head all the things uh, I need to do, all the meetings I've arranged, all the people I'm going to see. I know, frankly, that without my diary, I'm sunk, so I love it. But I have to say, there are times when I really don't like it at all. Of course, it's not the diary's fault, it's the demands of life. And sometimes, frankly, it's my own silly fault. Uh, I try to cram too much into a week, I fail to say no. So I have this love-hate relationship with my diary. And I know I'm not alone in those sort of diary emotions. I know many of you feel it as well. You know, sometimes there's one date in the diary that affects everything we do. One date that may be ages away, but so important it changes what we do now. Just after Christmas, I had a number of phone calls from people who'd got engaged over the festive period and they wanted to plan their wedding. And now they've met with me and the date is in the diary and suddenly it's influencing everything for them. Even though it might be months, even years away, it's affecting what they do now. Just last Sunday, a lovely married couple came rushing up to me and after, the baby, after the service to tell me that they were having a baby. And so the due date is in their diary now and it's begun to, forget, to influence all the decisions that they make right now. You see, a wedding, a birth, a significant birthday or anniversary approaching. These dates are sometimes months away, sometimes years away, but once the date is in the diary, it influences how the whole of life is lived out it affects how we spend our money oh no I can't afford that I'm saving up for that extra special birthday present dates like that affect our social life I haven't got time to do that I have the baby room to decorate 
And big days like that affect our priorities. I could go out with my mates, but I'd rather use the time preparing for my marriage. It's just a day in the diary, in the future, but it affects everything I do today. Well, look, last week in Mark chapter 13, Jesus told us of a date in the future that should have that very impact on us and have that impact on us more than any other date. In Mark chapter 13 and verse 26, Jesus told us of his return to this world to judge the world. That day, says Jesus, should affect everything. It should have an impact on the biggest life decisions, who we marry, where we live, what job we do. And it should even affect the small everyday things of life, the things we do every day, how we prioritise our time this week, who we hang out with, what we watch on television, what we do with our leisure time. Look how huge that day will be. Mark chapter 13, verse 24. In those days, following that distress... The sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky. It's the description of a cataclysmic, apocalyptic event. It's the end of the world as we know it. The sun darkened, no more sun, stars falling from the sky. And be sure, Jesus is describing much more than a solar eclipse or a meteor shower. Because, verse 26, at that time men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. This is the return of Jesus Christ at the end of the world, coming down out of the heavenly realm, coming down not as a baby, meek and mild, but end of verse 26, coming with great power and glory, coming to usher in his kingdom, showing the world that he is the undisputed Lord of all. And just as we thought last time, coming in judgment, for this whole chapter is about judgment. And so that date in the future should affect everything we do. Our whole lives should be shaped around being ready for that day. And the problem is, if you're anything like me, as I read this, I think, really? Is that really going to happen? I know I should believe everything that Jesus said. I'm a vicar, for goodness sake. I should believe that. But when I look around at this world, I can't imagine it all coming to an end. can't imagine the sun going out. Can't imagine the stars falling from the sky. Can't even imagine Jesus coming down through the clouds in great power. Well, I can imagine it, but tend to not really believe it. And so as I hear Jesus speak of this, it's hard to believe it could happen. And so Jesus tells a parable. Verse 28. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that the summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it's near, right at the door. The little parable in verse 28 isn't difficult to understand. When the fig tree is in leaf, you know that the summer's just around the corner. Well, here in Britain, fig trees are not our speciality, so think daffodils. When the daffs are in bloom, you know that the summer's nearly here. I can't wait for that day, especially on a day like today. But that's what Jesus is saying here. That said, we actually must think fig tree rather than daffodils if we're really going to understand this little parable. Because back in chapter 11, Jesus pointed to a fig tree as an example to the the disciples of the judgment that was going to come upon the temple. Uh, That's in chapter 11, verse 13, and, and the verses that follow. 
You see, as we saw last week, the destruction of the temple is the dominant issue in the first half of chapter 13. And so Jesus deliberately speaks of the fig tree in this little parable to say this, just as the fig tree in leaf tells you that summer is coming, so he says the destruction of the temple tells you that the end of the world is coming. As we considered last week, those two events are linked the destruction of the temple and the end of the world, one will follow the other. And as unlikely as it seemed back then that the destruction of the temple would happen, but it did happen in AD 70, just 40 years or so after Jesus predicted the world. See, as unlikely as that seemed, it did happen. And so in predicting the destruction of the temple, verse 30, we know Jesus was bang on. That generation didn't pass away before the temple was destroyed. That should give us confidence that everything, that everything that Jesus says in this chapter will happen. We can trust everything he says. Verse 31, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. This is going to happen. Jesus will return to wrap up the history of the world as we know it. He will come in power, in glory and in judgment. If I can put it this way, rather crudely, the date is set in the diary. It will happen. So how should that day, that date, influence our lives? How should we respond to this? Well, one way we shouldn't respond is to start predicting when it will happen. Jesus makes that very clear in verse 32. Be on your guard, be alert, he says. Sorry, verse 32. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Now, down through the years, many people have tried to get their diaries out to discover the date of Jesus' return. In um, 1842, a Roman Catholic priest wrote a book predicting that the world would end in 1847. Now, the dates are very important here, so if you're just drifting off, stay with me. In 1842, a Roman Catholic priest wrote a book predicting that the world would end five years later in 1847. Being a good Catholic, he sought the church's authority to publish the book. And the church granted permission to publish his book in 1848. Um, So some of you are with me. That is just one of many examples from history of people predicting the date of Jesus Christ's return. The Jehovah Witnesses predicted that Jesus would return in 1914. When that didn't happen, they changed the date to 1925. When that didn't happen, they put another date in the diary, 1975. That is foolish, all of that. We shouldn't spend our time speculating when that day will come. It's clear here, verse 32, no one knows. Not the angels in heaven, not the Son, only God the Father knows. And it's actually very good that we don't know. When as a a staff team we were thinking about this this week, one of the teams said it would be a disaster for us if we knew exactly when Jesus would return. And of course he's right, it would be a disaster because we're so easily distracted, I know I am. I'm so easily tempted to be lazy, not to get on with things. I think I've got all the time in the world, I'll leave it for a while. If for the last 2,000 years the church had known that Jesus wasn't going to return, Christians would have more easily drifted in their commitment to Christ, not got on with the task in hand. We'd be like um, rebellious teenagers when their parents are away for the week, leaving uh, leaving them home alone. You know, the dishes pile up in the sink, the house is a tip, they invite their mates round for late night parties, 
Mum and dad aren't coming back for days yet. It's good that we don't know when Jesus will return. Keeps us on our guard all the time. And that is the big point of this chapter. Right through this chapter, Jesus says, be ready or or watch out or be on your guard. Verse 9, verse 5, verse 23. And it's here, it's what he says next in verse 33. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. Like a man going away, he leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. See what Jesus says? Jesus is like a man who's gone away and left his servants in charge. Jesus has gone to sit at the right hand of the Father in glory. But he's not gone forever. He will return. In the meantime, we have, do you see it there in verse 34, an assigned task. And that, a task that's been assigned, has been very clearly stated back in verse 10 of chapter 13. Jesus said the gospel has to be proclaimed to all nations, to all people. So that's the task to be getting on with. And of course it makes sense, doesn't it? If Jesus is going to return one day in judgment on the world that has rejected him, if we understand that, when we understand that, if we have any love for other people, we'll want them to be ready for that day too. That's the task that's been assigned for us. And when that's clear in my mind, it shapes the way I live. It affects what I care about, what I work for, how I use my time and my money. I want to do all I can to see the gospel is proclaimed to everyone that I can. So, uh, committee Christian, get this date clear in your mind. Get it as clear as in your mind as if you had a wedding coming up. Or you're awaiting the birth of a child. Know that it's coming... It might seem a long way off, but it's coming. And just as those events affect what you do in the present, let this day in the future affect everything you do in the present. Of course, because we don't know the date and we can't put it in our diaries, perhaps those of us with electronic diaries should enter it as a recurring event so that in the morning when we look at our diaries, we have a a message flash up Jesus is going to return. I don't know whether that would work for you. You could try it. I think I'd probably soon ignore it, sadly. But that might be a way to do it. That would change the way we used our day, wouldn't it? Jesus is going to return. Not necessarily today, but it could be. If you're not yet a committed Christian, let me urge you to be sure to be ready for Christ's return. Um, we're in that sort of dangerous time of the year, aren't we, when we're full of good intentions and then do nothing with them. And uh, surprisingly, in the last week, just in the last week, I've heard a, a number of people who've said to me that they intend to look into Christianity, but other things in the diary have taken priority. They'll, they'll do it later. It's happened two or three times this week. Well, let me say to you, if that's you, can I say gently but definitely There might be all sorts of dates in your diary at the moment, but there is another date that may not be in your diary, but it is going to happen. And that date needs to influence priorities now. So if you've been thinking, I'll look into it, but there's too many other things to do, can I say, look into it. There's nothing more important. Come along to Christianity Explored this week if you want to look into it. We have three dates to choose from. Tuesday morning, Tuesday evening, Thursday evening. 
It's week two this week. Good time to start the course. You haven't missed too much. This then is a date that should be made a priority over every other date that we have in the diary. Uh, For um, Anthony Ashley Cooper, do you know him? The seventh Earl of Shaftesbury. This date was huge. Lord Shaftesbury was a terrific English social reformer in the 19th century. Near the end of his life, he said this, I do not think that in the last 40 years I have lived one conscious hour that was not influenced by the thought of our Lord's return. That is remarkable. And when you look at Lord Shaftesbury's life, you begin to believe that it was true. He did so much. He brought about huge change to the care of the mentally ill. He introduced legislation to outlaw child labour, including the ending of the employment of women and children in underground coal mines. He supported a move to prohibit the employment of boys as chimney sweeps. He brought about education reforms, promoting the education of of poor children. Well, you can do what I did. Look it up on Wikipedia. Uh, You'll find out much more about him. He did so much to bring about social good and he was motivated by Christ's return. I do not think that in the last 40 years I've lived one conscious hour that was not influenced by the thought of our Lord's return. And he managed to do that without an electronic diary to remind him. Well, we may not be in the position of such privilege to have the same impact that Lord Shaftesbury had, but the future return of Christ should still affect the way we use our time and our money. It should affect the big decisions in life and the things we do every day. We've been assigned a task And knowing that Jesus is going to return gives us an urgency in that task. But if we're going to do that, we have to keep watch. See it there at the end of verse 34? Keep watch. Keep watch. Watching out that we don't fall away or give up on serving Jesus. Do you remember last week in Mark chapter 13, verses 9 to 13? Jesus warned his disciples that as they proclaimed the gospel, they would be persecuted and rejected and betrayed. And then that was exactly what happened to the apostles um, in the Acts of the Apostles. And it's happened throughout history, of course. It doesn't make the news headlines, but all over the world today, Christians are suffering just because they're Christian. Pastors are being arrested and incarcerated. Christians are ostracized when they stand up for Christ. Some are dying for their faith, even today. Now, we're unlikely to suffer to that extent, but we will get a hard time when we tell people about Jesus Christ. And because it's tough, it is easy to give up or just to keep quiet. It's easy to opt for an easy life. So look what Jesus says as we begin to draw to a close verse 35 therefore keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back whether in the evening or at midnight or when the cock crows or at dawn he's saying in verse 35 keep watch because he jesus could return at any time and we don't want to be found wanting but as we look at verse 35 please note the sequence there In the evening, at midnight, when the cock crows, at dawn. And I tell you to note the sequence because that sequence is played out in the chapters that follow. 
And as we look at that sequence being played out, we see why we need to keep watch. We see the dangers. Let me just skate through this with you. Look at uh, chapters 14 and verse 17. Here's the first one in the sequence. When the evening came, chapter 14, verse 17. When the evening came, Jesus arrived with the 12. And what happens in the evening, verse 18, Jesus says, one of you will betray me. It was, of course, Judas. See what's going on here? If we don't keep watch, we might well betray Jesus. Following that, they went to the Garden of Gethsemane in chapter 14, verses 32 to 42. It was late at night, quite possibly midnight, the second in the sequence. The disciples were tired. And as Jesus went to pray, chapter 14, verse 33, he took Peter, James and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch, same sort of language that we see in our passage. But they couldn't do it, verse 37. He returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Yeah, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. There's the warning, you see. They didn't keep watch. They didn't pray. They fell asleep. And what happens next at the end of the chapter, in chapter 14, verses 66 to 72, we read of Peter denying Jesus, and it's marked by, do you remember, the cock crowing, chapter 14, verse 72. That's the third in that little sequence, the cock crowing. The warning is clear. If we don't keep watch, we too, like Peter, might deny Jesus. And then the fourth in the sequence is dawn. And chapter 15, verse 1, very early in the morning. What do we see very early in the morning in chapter 15? We see Jesus on trial. And we see none of his friends around him. They've all left him. So do you see the point? Opposition comes and they all fall away. So back to chapter 13, verse 35. Keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come. You don't know when Jesus is going to come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the cock crows or at dawn. So you don't know when he's going to come back, so you don't want him to, be, to find you betraying him or asleep or denying him or having deserted him. So keep watch. Don't let Jesus find us sleeping. That, of course, is exactly what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus said, keep watch and pray, and the disciples fell asleep. And that's why they ended up falling away, because they fell asleep rather than prayed. I found it in my own life. When I neglect prayer, I'm easily, even more easily distracted. Take my eye off the ball. When I don't pray, like Jesus, I, uh, like Judas, I find the lure of money and comfort so much stronger than my desire to follow Jesus. When I don't pray, like Peter, I find it harder to stand up for Jesus when I'm in a crowd of unbelievers. And so in the light of the return of Christ, keep watch. Don't be found wanting when Jesus returns. Christian, how's your prayer life? 
Are you making time to pray every day? To get to know Jesus better every day? Do you spend time with him because he is your delight and joy? Each day do you ask him by the power of the Holy Spirit to strengthen you, to stand up for him, to speak out for him, to work for him, to have his priorities? Do you ask him to help you to have his future return at the front of your mind and affecting everything you do? It's that kind of daily discipline in prayer that means, verse 36, if he comes suddenly, he won't find us sleeping. And that's why, verse 37, Jesus says to his disciples and to us, watch, watch out. There's a date in the diary. But it's a a date that so easily gets swamped by all the other things in the diary. The wife's birthday, business meetings, tennis matches, holiday, DIY, retirement plans. There are so many things clambering for our time. It all might leave you like me with a love-hate relationship with your diary. Well, look, if that's how you feel, to get perspective on life, to know what to prioritise, put this date in your diary... Jesus is going to return. He will come in great power and glory. Have it somewhere in the diary and have it shape everything that you do. Let's pray together. Our loving Heavenly Father, this future date could easily be seen as a terrifying thing but we thank you that because of the death of the Lord Jesus as we trust in him we can look forward with excitement to that day when he gathers all his elect and brings them together with him in glory. We pray then that to our excitement of that day would mean that it is very often if not all the time at the front of our minds affecting and shaping everything else that we do. May today have been something of a wake-up call for us if we're feeling sleepy. May it be something of um, you dragging us back if we started to wander away. And may this great truth have the same sort of impact that it had on Ashley Cooper. Every day influencing how we live. We pray these things in Jesus' name.